Hi beautiful and welcome along to episode 77 of the Get Confident podcast. Today I am joined by a delightful guest. Her name is Elise. She is the co-founder and director of a New Zealand-based company called Brand Sitters. We are going to be hearing all about how the company came to be, what it's like being a business owner, what it's like growing a team, how important it is to have mentors, to also know your stuff, which for some people comes from formal education. We're going to go into that. Uh, Also talking about job satisfaction in there as well. This episode is filled with nugget after nugget after nugget of goodness. So make sure that you are in a place where you can take down any notes if you need to, so that you can come back and actually action on some of the things that you have heard in today's episode in your own workplace or maybe in your own business. It has definitely inspired me, that is for sure. So without further ado, let's get into it. I'm Janelle Hosking and you beautiful are here to get confident. No more self-doubt, no more overthinking, no more what ifs. I'm helping you grow your confidence so you can live a fulfilled life. Welcome to the show. Elise, I'm very excited to have you on the show today. And I feel like sometimes it probably sounds like I say that every time we have a guest on, but Literally, these conversations, the pre-recording conversations that Elise and I have had have just been so good. So I cannot wait because now we've got the record on and these then get to come through your earwaves listening at home as well. So Elise, thank you so much for being here today. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's so exciting to be featured on the Get Confident podcast. Um, Yeah, I'm doing well. I kicked off my morning routine with a bang, going to the gym and doing my journaling. Um, and then I think I was just very excited for this podcast. So I was going through my emails, and but then I was, mine was on this. So it's exciting <laughs> to be here and be chatting. Oh, that is so good. Now, how I like to start my guest interviews or you know guest episodes is by doing a little this or that so that we can get to know a little bit about you. First things first, this is kind of from the perspective of how you show up in your life today. You know, what is more likely to be you? Do you prefer security or adventure? Definitely adventure. Always down to try something new, go somewhere new, eat something different. (laughs) I love that. What's the craziest thing you've ever eaten? Oh, goodness me. That's a very good question. Um, I'm sure there's something crazy and I'm blanking, but I've had sheep milk, um, which yep. is like, imagine blue milk or that farmyard milk, but around about like six times fattier. That's crazy. That's the only thing that comes to mind right now, but I'm sure there's more. I love it. Did you drink it as a milk or from a powder? No, as a milk. I went into um, Huckleberry, I think, and saw it was on special and thought, oh, that's something new. <laughs> bought it um so that was interesting or the other thing would be um a century egg it's a Chinese delicacy and it's essentially a boiled egg that's been pickled and it's put in this black sulfuric jelly and when I was in Taiwan I saw that I was like I'll give it a go and that one wasn't me it wasn't for me but you know I'm glad I've tried it wow that is yeah, that's out there for sure. Definitely showing the adventurous side of you. <laughs> um, what are you more scared of, snakes or spiders? Look, I'll be honest. I'm not scared of either of them, but my wild card would be moths. 
so scared of moths. What? Yeah. No way. They can attack you from any angle. You know, a spider, you can like eyeball it and be like, I, I see you crawling around. Okay, I know. But moths, they're a bit of a wild card. Any angle. <laughs> yeah. Horrifying. Oh my gosh, you would hate my house. We have quite a lot of moths like around the place all the time. Um, so that is insane. What do you prefer, an ice bath or a sauna? Definitely a sauna, um, not one for the cold. <laughs> is that something that's part of your routine? Like I know obviously you mentioned before about um, gym, exercise, taking care of yourself. Is saunering something that is that ever features as part of that for you? Um, that would be a very, that would be an aspirational part of my routine at mm. the gym that I go to is just one of the chain gyms. There's no sauna there. Um, so it's just a little bit of admin, but when I, when I go somewhere where there happens to be a sauna, like an Airbnb or I'm at the pool, then I do make an effort to pop in, but it's probably my strike rate is like once every six months. So I wouldn't say it's routine. <laughs> Oh, I love that. I hear you. I mean, where I live, I'm like 15 minutes out of town and then the town I live in is Rotorua. And there I've actually only found one sauna, but you, it, it comes with a package. Like you have to pay for the massage or for the facial in order to even get access to the sauna. And so same kind of deal. It's kind of like a luxury, right? Not really a yeah. day-to-day thing, unfortunately. Um, favorite day out of Saturday or Sunday and why? I... Gosh, I love both, but I think I like Saturday. I love that um, you've got two whole days ahead of you, and it's just like, whoa, I've got all of this time. Um, so there's just like strong Saturday energy, um, and I do quite like for Saturday to be – sometimes I'll do admin on Saturday morning, but normally that's my fun day, and then Sunday, especially the second half, I'm kind of like cleaning and meal prepping, mm. and then I'm planning my week ahead. So it's a little bit more routine wise, but yeah, Saturday is just free for all. The day. I love it. That's so good. Okay. So today I really want to talk to you about the world of stepping into entrepreneurship and creating confidence on that journey because you are the founder and owner of a New Zealand based digital marketing company called Brand Sitters. And you guys are doing some awesome stuff. You've got great clients, you know, when looking at your socials. And then also right now, as you and I are talking, to me, I feel like we're around about the same age, you know, and there is so much learning that comes with the world of entrepreneurship and business. So I cannot wait to dive into it, but I'm really keen, first of all, to hear your story that actually led you to where you are today of taking this um, idea and really deciding to run with it instead of having a traditional path of going into, I guess, like a corporate um, career for yourself. Yeah, so it was, it's been quite a, it has been a real journey. Um, mm-hmm. So it wasn't, if you'd asked me when I was 18 or even 19, 20, I don't think entrepreneurship wasn't on my radar at all. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't 100% on where I wanted to go either. Like when I finished high school, I um, got into broadcasting school and then I was deciding between that or law. And I just realized I wasn't excited about both. Mm-hmm. Um, broadcasting school, I just, yeah, I didn't feel excited. And Laura, I realized I was only doing it so people would think I was smart. And I was like, wow, it's a bad reason to pick a career. Mm. Um, so went and traveled, uh, did work and travel overseas and then um, 
came home and I had a job working for um, one of the big broadcasters in New Zealand and that was really fun and I had a bunch of other jobs on the side and realized that inevitably I needed to study to do the jobs that I liked the look of so I was trawling on trade me at things that I found interesting and it was all stuff down the like media communications marketing around all of them you needed a degree so mm. moved to Auckland started studying um, and because I was frustrated at what felt it felt like going backwards going to okay. university after living overseas and working and then working full-time and having an income and being really independent it felt weird going into study at first and so mm. in my mind I was like okay I just need to finish my degree as soon as possible and get all the work experience I need and just like get out of here as quick as possible so I was doing like five papers a semester some semesters wow. doing summer school it was crazy. I started getting, um, I just started doing, I guess, process of elimination of different jobs that I thought I would be interested in. So mm -hmm. there was a careers event at uni and there was a rep from DDB, which is one of New Zealand's biggest advertising agencies. Um, and I pretty much went up to him and just said, give me, please give me an internship. <laughs> I don't something. care which department I want to, I want to work there. And I got put in the events team and within their in-house PR company. And let me tell you, I knew nothing about events. I wouldn't say events is my talent particularly, but I learned a lot, but I also realized, hmm, that's not for me. And then okay. I continued my job in radio and like, that was really fun doing promo and assisting with that part-time alongside my degree. And it was fun, but I realized that wasn't quite my dream either. Um, and then I picked up a really um, really awesome job at a big global hotel chain as their marketing coordinator, which I was doing concurrent with my degree. And mm. that was really fun. But I realized oh, I'm not sure if the office based, like full time stuck to an office was having to be in quite a like an old, more of a regimented work environment was 100% what I wanted at the time either. Yeah. So that was all mulling over in my mind. And I was doing some really cool papers on digital marketing and social media. Um, but the catalyst was I went to, I went home, I was in Auckland, I went home to Christchurch for a few weeks before Christmas, and then mm -hmm. I booked to go and visit friends in Australia in uh, late Jan, early Feb. Mm -hmm. And when you're a student, that summer period is critical for working as hard as you can to get yeah. as much money together, because you know when the, uh, the semester starts, you can drop only do a few hours a week. Yeah. Um, and so me being a huge saver was like, okay, this is my time to hustle. I'll save up for Australia, save up my like during the year funds. Mm -hmm. It'll be great. And then I got a scholarship to go and work in India for six weeks, wow. which was incredible. The most amazing opportunity. But how it lined up was Christchurch for, I think, two or three weeks. And then I think I had went back to Auckland, had four days before then I left to Mumbai. And then I went from Mumbai to Melbourne to visit my friends. And I just oh was like, gosh. how am I going to get any money to survive? And so I just went on student job search and started looking at any job that I could do remotely and especially down the social media route. Mm -hmm. And I picked up one for a beauty clinic and then one for a health recruitment company, which was initially she just said, I need someone to make a PowerPoint for me. And then I went and met her and she's just like, oh, actually, we do need help with our social media as well. And you seem really cool. So I picked that up. And then between those two, when I was in India, I could 
um, just like do a little bit of work and have some money coming through, which I could save for, you know, the rest of the year and for Melbourne, um, which was full on because I was also working full time when I was in India as well, um, doing an internship with an NGO over there as well. So it was pretty wow. full on, but I realized the power of being able to work remotely and be sort of a digital nomad. Mm. Um, and I also really liked with the digital marketing side of things that you could be really creative, but also be strategic. And I liked using both parts of my brain. So yeah. I was like, cool, this is for me. And then through those clients, I picked up another two other social media and marketing clients who I helped out with as well. Um, and then went back to New Zealand after India. And then I had my hotel marketing job, my degree, oh and my then three other clients <laughs> who I was doing work for. Um, and I was like, man, this is just getting busier and busier. I think I had like another two like two other small businesses as well. Hmm. So I think by that point I had about six small businesses I was doing social media and marketing for as well as my other marketing job and my degree. Oh, my then gosh. It was about this time that my now business partner, who I'd been friends with from school, moved up from Christchurch. And she's always been very entrepreneurial. She's such a weapon. And she studied marketing and commerce. Um, and we were at her birthday BYO. Um, mm -hmm. And we were about a bottle of wine deep. And we were like, <laughs> we should start a business. <laughs> and um, at that time, at the dinner, we got out our phones. And we made a little calendar event called Biz Chats for 6 p.m. that following Tuesday. And I think on the Monday night, um, my business partner Natalie messaged me and was like, are we are we going to have this meeting? And I was like, yes, absolutely. Oh so gosh. then we met up and sat on her bed with our laptops and came up with sort of what our approach was. And we were like, are we going to we going to do this? And we just decided, yeah, OK, why not? So she was working full time in marketing. I was finishing up study and my, had my all my other marketing jobs. Mm -hmm. So it was very full on. And so our schedule was that first half of the year, we just were like working on like, you know, the name, the logo, like all of the mm. legal stuff. Mm. Um, and so it was Tuesday evenings alternating between each other's bedrooms. And then on a Saturday, we'd go to a, a cafe and work from there. And then we got incorporated at the start of... 2020 or end of Jan 2020 we got incorporated um, and then continued it as a side hustle as much as we could getting busier and busier then we went into a lockdown and yes. it turns out so many businesses realized oh goodness me we need to be online we need to be For picking sure. up our social presence so mm. we got busier and then in June, my business partner went full-time with the business. And then in December of that year, I went full-time as well. Wow. Oh, my goodness. There is like a mountain of questions and things I want to know, like far out. That is incredible. Um, just, I guess it goes to show, like, from what I heard of your story that you've shared is you were actively exploring and looking for your thing and you weren't afraid to try something and then to realize actually no this isn't for me I'm going to do something else thinking about what you know now after having got your degree do you think you would still be in this place 
with your business partner running your successful business if you had have decided to keep working instead of going to university like do you think that um all of this would have still happened if you had of I guess not studied that's a good question honestly I, I mean I know so many of the world's biggest entrepreneurs haven't had formal education and I can mm. completely understand uh, their point of view but for me I in the end I was actually really glad that I went to university just because it first of all it improved the way that I think my critical mm. thinking got so much better as well as the way that I write the way that I approach things and just the opportunities like that internship that I had with DDB that mm. I never would have had that had I not gone to uni and been in that gone to that marketing event um, the same way with mm-hmm. some of the really cool papers I did about digital marketing and social media and my degree was really fantastic and the way it exposed us to lots of different aspects of uh, marketing and comms and yes, um, digital, I guess, digital platforms, like even stuff like learning a little bit of basic code. All of that stuff was just really cool exposure. Um, and then even the scholarship that I got to go to India, which was that catalyst. Again, I never would have had that had I not been um, at the university and been a student. Sure. I would have been, wouldn't have been eligible. So I think that was really fundamental in shaping the path of the way of getting there. Um, I think if I had stayed in employment, it would have been kind of easy to fall within that climb the ladder yeah um, mindset, which is fine like I know you know I know some people who love climbing there like that is they don't want to do their own thing they would much rather like climb an established ladder and like fair enough they're doing so well mm. um but I just I don't think that was for me I think I would sit down in a in a job where there was that ladder and I just would feel a little bit impatient or feel yeah. like feel a bit disempowered and like it was out of my hands or my career progression was very determined by external forces like mm. what opportunities there were and where like how forward thinking the company was and all of that jazz so yeah I think that I really I took the plunge because I really needed to feel like I had some determination over the velocity at which my um my career uh grew and mm-hmm um transformed Mm. yeah so I think uni was quite fundamental to that for me that is incredible and you're so right in that every single person is different and we all have different ways that and and journeys that work for us and also things that don't work for us and so that's why I love having this podcast and being able to get different guests on to share their journey and their perspective like for me I didn't go to university right I did a one-year radio course we have that in common um in terms of being in some of the radio media works world and um I just did a one-year radio course but But uh, while working full time, have done so many different courses and trainings that were by different forms of like online platforms rather than having to physically go into a university, you know, and that's been what's worked really, really well for me. And then it all leads us to different places where we ultimately get to decide, do I want to be traditional and do I want to say climb this ladder or do I want to create something for myself? And I'm really curious to know, with the fact that, you know, you already had clients, you're already essentially um, being paid directly um, as they like self-employment with when you, um, before you teamed up with your friend, 
do you think it was having your friend there with you to have you both like have each other's backs that really made the decision decision to go for it seem more viable or more like yeah if we're together we can do this rather than the idea of you just say doing it on your own like is that something you had thought about were you kind of hesitant to doing it on your own um or were you always going to go for it whether you had your friend or not no honestly having my business partner was the biggest confidence boost um Mm. i am even though, I mean, you know, like anything that you do with another person, like any friendship relationship or business relationship, like when I have my business partner, you know, it, it's tricky because there's another dynamic to consider and you really have to nail your communication and know how to have difficult conversations. And especially because we were friends, know that be able to be able to draw the line between what is a difficult but necessary business conversation but know that it's not our friendship or be able to have a difficult friendship conversation but be able to continue on business wise so there are challenges but i am so grateful to have natalie and this journey just would not have been the same without her and we really cover each other's i don't know we, we cover each other's weaknesses we play to our strengths a lot she comes from a marketing and commerce background and her parents mm-hmm. are very entrepreneurial as well. So she is, she's got this real entrepreneurial spirit. She's very business minded, very business focused. Mm-hmm. I come from more of a comms and strategy background. Um, and so we are able to, yeah, have like two really strong mm-hmm. approaches, whereas as a one person, that would be so much harder. Plus, there have been so you know it's so many ups and downs and it's really nice that when one person's feeling a little bit flat the other we can like boost each other up a little bit or it'll give feedback too like we're able to even when we were just the two of us the quality of work we were outputting was really like really high in comparison to where people would have thought for the age of our business um, and our level of experience and I think it's just because we were really honest giving good feedback we both just wanted to be putting up the best and having two sets of eyes is always better than one so yeah and this I know people go into business on their own all the time but Mm. I honestly think this journey has been so much better uh, doing it in conjunction with Natalie. That is so beautiful. And I think that's a real, um, that's a real blessing, right? To be right place, right time, right person, right moment, like right idea. All of those things need to come together for it to actually be able to work. And then yes, on top of that, you have to both be willing to work at it and to both improve and, you know, put egos aside and like there's so much within that you know and that's just one part of it you then also still have to go out and get clients and stuff so having someone who is literally on your team but then also mentally too like they get it they understand the struggles and when when like you said when you're down they can then prop you up and vice versa that is such a powerful bond and relationship to have and if you're listening at home have you ever thought about starting a business and have been put off by the idea of doing it by yourself maybe have a think of what kind of friend or co-worker colleague can do it with you you know and then those other elements of like time space idea all that kind of stuff just need to come together but I think that's the thing we don't have to do stuff on our own but quite often we do feel like it's it's only us you know and it might take a little bit more work or more effort to 
put into finding that right person. But once you find that right person, like what you and Natalie have by the sounds of things, it's just awesome, you know, and absolutely two is most definitely better than one for sure. Now, you mentioned before some of the um, challenges that you guys have had along the way in getting started. And it's like with anything, right? You're never going to know exactly what's right or what's wrong to do. So you kind of do learn along the way. What are some of the fears that you have overcome on this journey of business and entrepreneurship within growing yourself and your career? I feel like entrepreneurship every day is a little bit scary, Um, (laughs) which is what I like about it. I find Mm. that personally, that's where I really thrive. Um, I think it's easy to get complacent when you feel safe. And um, my big thing is curiosity didn't kill the cat, but complacency did. Um, And so I think that being in an environment where there's always a bit of challenge keeps you on your toes and makes sure that you're always striving to be better. Um, In terms of fears, I feel like there's so many on so many different levels. Mm. I mean, there's always, especially, I mean, at the beginning was like, oh my God, are we going to be able to afford to pay rent? Um, (laughs) I'm not going to lie, at the moment where we are, we've last year, we grew from just being Natalie and I to bringing on staff. So now we have three full-timers and then we have a uh, an account manager who is um, part-time, but she's quite senior. Mm-hmm. Um, so all up, we're now a team of six, and that's wow. been in a very short space of time. So mm-hmm. definitely it's it's also an expensive place to be. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, just like cash flow is always something that, you know, like I think as an entrepreneur, you're always a little bit like, okay, cool, I just need to make sure that, you know, you're hustling and continuing it coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, the other big fear, especially at the start, was bringing on clients. How do you even do that? And mm. meeting, having these meetings with clients. And at the beginning, when it's smaller businesses and it's one-on-one, I think I felt I felt a lot more comfortable because of what I was used to. But uh, last year, we went through our first um, request for proposal process, and that's a very big undertaking. You're putting together a really big pitch you know you're pitching against other agencies all of which are likely way bigger than us Mm -hmm. Um, you're speaking to financial directors and founders and managing directors all at one and you're in these boardrooms with these big people and so just really getting out of your own way and realizing like I was invited here for a reason and that little voice in your head which is like oh no, you, you're too, you're inexperienced, so you're not good enough for this, or you'll never get this opportunity, and just have it, being able to put this aside, and think, I was here for a reason, they saw what I can do, or what my, they saw what my company does, and liked it, so therefore, I just need to remember that, remember that, I think, mm, and present mm. myself, show up as the person who I think is worthy of winning this contract, um, and it worked. We won that RFP and we were the smallest Yay! agency ah! in the game. And they were actually a dream client. So this was our client, Raglan Food Co. When we first started Brand Sitters, I was practicing with like content creation and um, I had a few of their jars of yogurt. And so I took lots of photos of their yogurt and thinking, oh, this would be it. And I was watching their Instagram feed. I thought this would be such a dream client. And when um, they came to us with an RFP, it was just like, 
oh my god I have to get this so that was huge that sounds like manifestation at its finest right like you put it out there that they're a dream client for you and then you did whatever work you had to do and then it ended up coming your way and that is so incredible and like the fact that they came to you to put a proposal forward and then obviously you still put in probably 110 20 percent at that in order to be able to yeah show up as the person or the company who was worthy of receiving and having that client and I love checking out your guys socials and seeing all of the the Raglan Food Co products on there, you know, and all the little things that you do for them that you then get to share on your own account as well. It's just so special. And it's little things like that as well along the journey that do um, not only they make you feel more validated in who you are and what you're offering, but then also that's external validation too for other companies that might want to come and work for you. And now that you, or back then, once you got out that first big proposal out of the way, how did you, how have you felt since then delivering, I'm, I'm guessing more of those on, you know, say a more regular scale of doing that pitch, being in that room with those people who are, um, I guess, you know, doing big roles or things like that, you know, have you felt a lot more confident in that now that you had one under your belt and were able to just show up and keep improving moving forward in those? Yeah, I mean, Raglan Food Co. wasn't the first. That was mm. the first like, request for proposal where we were yes. like, actively pitching yeah. in that format. Mm. Um, but there had been plenty of times when I was in the room already with some very, very impressive people. Um, we're lucky that Cecilia and James Robinson are our mentors, um, and they founded Opia Link and then founded My Food Bag and most recently are now working on Tend. And we first encountered them because they needed someone to help out with their Robinson Duo social media channel, which is their business mentoring and knowledge. If you're interested in um, like work or career or business, mm, highly mm. recommend following the Robinson Duo just because cool. of insight. But we went and pitched to them. And let me tell you, being in the room with these people, I was I was sweating bullets. Like this was very <laughs> fresh into the business journey. Um, and they're, I mean, they're incredible. Like Cecilia Robinson is just so efficient and wow. the way she conducts her meetings, she's so to the point, she's just an absolute inspiration. Um, but the problem was when you, in your head, you're like, man, this person is like amazing and you have them on such a pedestal, it's really hard to deliver things coherently. Um, yeah. And so going into the Raglan Food Co. pitch, um, and I was chatting with it, chatting about it with my business partner. And then she's she's such a good confidence booster. She was like, look, you know, you are great with relationships. You know what you're talking about. You know you're passionate about this client. You are good at what you do. You know the company is good at what it does. Just be yourself and yes. deliver it succinctly, but to back it. And mm. I just realized with all of the all of the really amazing clients that we've worked with and the incredible founders or marketing managers, these people are all really switched on. They're all absolute weapons at what they do, but they're just mm. people at the same time. Exactly. Um, mm -hmm. And so just coming at it from a, look, we're both humans. You know, you want to do, you want your, uh, your company to thrive and then I want to help it thrive. So that's what we're here to do. And I think just simplifying it down made For it. Sure so much easier and so yeah now when I go 
and I have these meetings with people, it's just, even though internally I might be like, oh my God, this is crazy. <laughs> Externally, it's just cold as a cucumber, very like how I would chat to, not like a not like a friend in like a really mm-hmm. casual setting, but certainly mm-hmm. how I would just chat to someone who I didn't know maybe over dinner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I've definitely had experience with people who you deem as being a big deal and putting them on that pedestal and it just shuts you down to the point where you feel like they're like god almighty and you're a nobody you know which obviously is so not true and it's when you can actually step into that place of they're just a human being and really lead from there that you're actually able to kind of break down some of those barriers that you created yourself so That is beautiful that, you know, along your professional journey, you've been able to really embody that and remind yourself of that. And because people can feel it too, like people can feel how you're acting towards them, whether you're, um, I guess, holding back or whether you're, you know, fully showing up as your best or not, you know. And so when you have that mentality of like, they're just another human, I'm just going to show up how I always do with my great relationship building, kind, caring, um, determination self you know people can receive that and really appreciate that so that is incredible and it sounds like you have a real um I guess a real strive for wanting to grow and wanting to be the best right and the fact that your team has grown to six people is incredible and no doubt there comes challenges with that how as a team or as a um, a boss, would you say, however you refer to yourself, feel free to let us know, um, how do you ensure that, you know, if challenges come up within the team dynamic that you can really, um, I guess, work it out and then get back to a place of moving forward succinctly as a team and not letting any form of like disagreements or um, issues get in the way of creating the best result for yourself, the company, and then for your clients too? Yeah, I mean, this is very much a journey that I'm still on. I think Mm. with having this business, you're learning so many lessons all at once. Um, Cecilia Robinson has this great quote where she says, because she didn't finish her degree, back to the study chat we were having earlier, Mm -hmm. but she said for her, um, OPLink was her business degree. And then Mm. my food bag was like her MBA. And you definitely feel that because I'm learning, have to learning how to manage staff, manage a team, create a dynamic at the same time, manage client relationships, ensure all of the work that we're outputting is up to standard that we're delivering. So it's a whole, it's a constant learning curve. Mm-hmm. When it comes to my team, I am very transparent with them and that I, and I, I tell them, I say, guys, I'm learning too. All I want is I want for all of us to be doing our best possible work and to feel empowered and supported. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, I tell them I'm going to get things wrong sometimes mm-hmm. or we are a small company, we're growing, we're not a big shiny corporate. Um, and so there are going to be some things which maybe don't work quite so well or a little bit frustrating, but you can talk to me about it. However, I know that it's still even though I like to think I'm pretty approachable, it's still pretty, uh, it's still intimidating to tell your boss, like, hey, I think we could do this better. So I try and create opportunities for that to happen. So mm-hmm. um, we set KPIs for our team. Um, and how we do that is we have a 
with, you know, they prepare for it in advance. We have a sit-down meeting. We agree together on some measurable KPIs for the next quarter and the next year mm -hmm. um, that we both feel are fair and relevant to the roles and where they're wanting to grow um, and relevant to the work that we output. Mm -hmm. And then we have just regular check-ins on those KPIs. Um, and in those check-ins, it's not just a, what are you doing? It's also like a good opportunity to be like, how are you feeling? Are you fulfilled? Do you feel supported? Do you want to learn some more things? Um, and I found that that's been able to create a really nice dynamic where the feedback I get is it's a really nice work environment and they feel really supported um, and they're getting their work done as well, which totally. is so cool to see, you know, like I don't need to micromanage. It's just they want to do well. I want them to do well. And we try to make sure that they're empowered to do so. Um, and then on a... I guess on supporting a team dynamic that's productive and makes them feel heard is mm. end of last year, we had a bit of like an issues identification session. And this was like not okay. personal issues, but more um, like, what is it? What makes your job really hard right now? And that was stuff like, they were like, oh, we just, the, the project management system we work, it's not working for us. And it's kind of hard to keep track of where we're at. You know, we've got a lot of retainers, mm. there's a lot of moving parts and it's, hard to see where your workflow is all in one place it's hard to find things in inbox and even stuff like the phone we have for shooting reels is a little bit annoying so maybe we could look at getting a new one um so just lots of things like that and the, the feedback actually really surprised me some of it because I didn't realize that they were like I know I think about these things but I didn't realize they were thinking about it in that wow. way too mm -hmm. um but that was great because it was so good to hear what was relevant and meaningful for them. And so now we've just gone through a process of finding a new project management system, which we're working on implementing and we're sorting out the work phone and like, just like all these different things or even stuff like they wanted mouse pads. And I just never even thought about that. Um, so just having the forum where they could give feedback and it was made easy and made really open, I found has been the best way Wow. Um, and it also just shows that because I'm very transparent, I'm transparent about things that we could be doing better. I'm transparent when I make a mistake or I get something wrong or if they have an idea that's better than what I was going to suggest or what my idea was, then I let them mm -hmm. know. But it means that because I'm transparent, they are transparent with me, um, yeah. which is really, I found that's been really, really key. Mm. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if right now, as we are talking, somebody listening is thinking, I want to go and work for brand sitters. Honestly, what a dream company. You know, everything you're saying, you haven't even said the word as such, but it sounds like you're creating a really good culture. Uh, a culture where people want to be and there's so much that comes into that. One, it is so key and imperative that when you have uh, I guess, team catch-ups or days where you're trying to solve problems or even just highlight problems like what you mentioned, that you then create a workflow to go and actually work on solutions for those things. There's so many times where companies, it's almost like a tick box of let's figure out or let's make the staff feel like we care. And so we'll find out what all the problems are. And then the next day you just move on without actually addressing any of them. So that is amazing that you guys are doing that and that you've upgraded your project management system and you know doing the phone and that is just like music to my ears because I have conversations every single week with clients who 
who work in companies where they feel they might feel undervalued or they might feel like they don't have the resources that they need and they communicate that, but then nothing is done about it, you know, and that is a surefire way to have people leaving your team because they're like, what's the point of me being here if I tell you what you need and you don't actually listen to it or you, you pretend you listen, but do nothing about it, you know? Yeah, definitely. It's, and from personal experience and working in, you know, companies or teams where, you know, you give all this, you give feedback and none of it is taken on. And mm. I mean, there's always going to be constraints. Sometimes it's just sure. not viable for certain suggestions to be met. And that's, that's fine. But it's when it, you when you feel like nothing is changing, nothing is being made better, it becomes mm. a really frustrating environment to work in. And so that's yeah. something I'm definitely, definitely trying to trying to avoid. Um, plus, I think if we can nail communication on the basic in-house stuff early on with my like, core team, then trickier things also become a little bit easier. I mean, at the moment, our team is small and we've got, you know, great attitudes on board. And so the dynamic's really good and we haven't had any disputes or staff, you know, staff problems or cultural issues, um, mm. which is great. But I'm also confident that because we have this open, uh, open communication, transparent communication, I feel like we are slowly putting steps in place so that if when the team's bigger, there were ever any difficulties or uh, problems with culture that we could address it early and people would feel mm -hmm. empowered to talk to me about it or talk to whoever their leader or their boss is at the time within the company. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing, right? Like you're setting the tone, you're being the example right from the start. And that's a really important part when it comes to being a part of a team is not just telling people what to do, but then being the example and doing that yourself each day as well. So then you're really modeling that for others. And you can, that's something that's transferable and that you can do in every single area of your life. Like I always say, be the example the example of what you expect and what you want from others um, and then that's essentially showing them how to show up within themselves I just want to circle back to when you talked about KPIs um, when you hire staff and when you talk about KPIs and you know you work with them to set these KPIs is this something that your team are used to because I know in terms of um, I guess past experiences KPIs work really interesting in that some organizations set them, but they kind of force them on you. And so you feel like you don't really have a say in it, or you're not necessarily bought into having the KPIs. But then there's also some companies that hire people to do a job, but then there's no real targets or no real sense of progression or ownership because KPIs aren't even discussed, which then can lead to staff like I guess, losing interest and kind of being bored. So the question there is around KPIs and with your current staff as you're growing the team, is that approach that you guys take something that they have been used to? Um, for the three recent hires, mm. they this has been their first a big full-time um, oh, full-time job um, which is cool like they had two of them had like lots of uh, marketing or design experience doing stuff freelance for small business but this is their first full-time in-house so wow. KPIs is a new thing um, mm -hmm. but we don't do them when they first start because mm -hmm. you're so overwhelmed you don't you're you just trying to find which way is up 
So it's after the first three months is then we'll start setting KPIs because it's like, okay, you know what the job's about. You know what your tasks are. Now let's make these tasks even better. And you also, they also have a feel for what they find interesting or what they want to learn more about. Mm. And so that's really, um, that's really important to us because I think people feel motivated when they feel like they're challenged and they feel like they're growing. Um, Mm. But they've got to be, it's got to be a challenge they're interested in, right? For sure, yeah. You're not motivated if you don't care about it. So it's really important that they feel invested in that for their career. Um, And because part of our KPIs are always, we have some results-based stuff, which is for client work and outputs, but then we have some which are professional development related because Mm. I see it as a win-win. If my staff are upskilling, that means that the quality of work they're delivering for clients is always getting better and that's really mm. important to me so it's mm-hmm. a I'm super happy to pay for them to do certain courses pay for their time pay for any qualifications that they need so that they can mm. upskill and get better um, and then it also means that they feel really empowered in their career and mm. whether that's at brand sitters or later down the line they feel like they've gained more and more skills throughout quickly rather than just kind of like making it up as they go along or feeling mm-hmm. like they left their um left their qualifications whatever it is that they did and then came to start work and just stagnated in case you don't know KPI is key performance indicator and it's a really great tool that you can use uh really in uh collaboration with say your boss your manager um with the company as a whole but even on your own I mean I've worked in companies where I was literally just hired to do a job and left to it and I felt really uninspired unmotivated I even like lost confidence because I was just kind of just left on my own and it was really hard. And so I set my own KPIs and kept myself accountable for things that nobody else in the company gave a crap about, to be honest. But it helped me to feel like I was doing good, you know, like I've set this KPI for myself and now this is why I come to work each day to achieve this. And in the end, achieving those results on my own still gave me something tangible to go to my boss to show what I had been doing, which then got me pay rises and bonuses. So, you know, if you work for a company that doesn't give you KPIs, you can still create them on your own and really dictate your own career journey and your your own career path. And I love that with you guys and brand sitters, you actually, two things, you allow people time to get into into the role and get familiar with what they're doing to find what they like and what they don't like. And then also that you then openly will support them in upskilling and progressing. And that is something that I think a lot of people want to have, but sometimes you can be so busy, right? Doing the day to day that you don't feel like you have time to actually be able to do it. So working for an organization that actually cultivates that and whether it's an official thing or not, it could be something like, you know, every Friday afternoon, you get to work on progression in some form of area, whether maybe that's like Facebook ads or getting better at copywriting or, um, time management, you know, things like that, that are going to ultimately help the company as well. So you sound like a great boss, honestly, Elise. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, I try. It's definitely, that's, it's um, one of my affirmations that I regularly write for myself is I'm a good boss because that's 100% something that confidence wavers on. But I, my business partner and I are very passionate about 
creating the workplace that we always wanted. Mm. We want it to be really empowering and we want everyone who comes through Brandsitters to leave feeling like a more um, a more advanced human than when they came to us. Um, mm. And so that's a huge priority for me. Uh, so that's why we're building the team that the way that we are. Um, and like I said, it's, it makes sense for us because, for example, one of our girls has, she started out just as marketing support and now she's gone specialised heavily in advertising. Wow. She's now knocking out qualifications like been nothing. Like in the past week, she's done, I think, three Google certifications, two meta certifications, a LinkedIn certification. She's just on a roll and it's translating across her work. She's mm. just the strategy she's coming up with, the way she's doing this targeting, the reporting, the results that she's getting are just mm. improving all the time. And our designer is the same. Like she's been doing so much on UX and UI and the work that she's producing for her website design, but also just design across the board is just growing and improving so quickly, you know? And it's really cool for me to see that it's been so worth, like so worth it investing in these courses for them. Mm. Um, and as well, making the time. And it's, you know, like you say, it is really hard sometimes to factor in the professional development into your workflow. And I would love to eventually have a set time in a week when people work on that. But mm. how I get rounded at the moment is I'm just regularly checking in and saying, how are you going? How was your workload? How have you had time to work on this course? And then mm. quite often they'll say, yep. Yeah, or if they say no, and it's like, okay, why not? What's, you know, what, where's the pipeline jammed? What's, what's clogged? Sometimes it's just a full on month because we're trying to get all of the client social out that week. But then we know that when everything's gone for approvals, there's going to be a little bit more time. So they'll work on it then. Um, but mm. it's just me regularly checking in and ensuring that they're still able to keep ticking off these courses throughout the month. Mm, absolutely. And that's where sometimes it is about you taking that responsibility or putting it on your to-do list, even just that checking in for people. And I know that I have clients who we talk about the professional development of their staff and then, you know, we'll talk about it in one session and then three months later, something gets brought up about my staff haven't been doing their professional development. And I'm like, well, have you checked in with them in the past three months about it? Have you reminded them or have you asked them what they're stuck with or what they might need help with? And quite often it's like, no, I forgot until today, you know, <laughs> which I mean, we're all human, but it's really nice to like, I guess, take that learning and realize, okay, cool, this is something that I want to, um, I guess, keep top of mind so then they can continue to progress. And that is so good for staff retention and keeping a good team culture and also keeping the the client success going because as you obviously know if your team are doing really well and they're progressing and learning more, they can then apply that and then that's going to help your clients to be even happier stay on board maybe even spend more and you know who knows it's just really great for growing a company as a whole yeah yeah absolutely I um I mean that is the goal yeah. but even if you're in a position I know a lot of your listeners are not entrepreneurs or might not even be running a team might be in a position yes. where they don't have their own KPIs it's like you can ask you yeah. can ask your manager or your boss and Okay, they might do nothing about it and then it's got to be self-driven. But mm. more often than not, 
I would say that your manager or your boss would absolutely love the initiative and be like, oh my God, yeah, it's just something I never thought of or didn't feel like I had capacity for. Um, but you never know, you could be the cause of that change in the company. Um, I think that sometimes, or at least I, from my experience as an employee early on, at first I felt like I didn't have that much agency, um, which is why I left it out of my own thing. But I did notice <laughs> that even when I was working there would be other people either like who I worked with on my team or just people in my circle who mm -hmm. would progress really really quickly in mm -hmm. their career and in their roles and would climb the ladder really fast and I would ask them what it is that they're doing and they would just be proactive and ask for things and mm. ask for changes to be made or if there was a way that they thought things could be improved suggesting it and then taking it that next step and proactively proactively coming up with ways to actually implement these things so hey I would like this I, I think this would be really cool if we could do this um, mm. here's how I can help make it happen here's what I need to do and their their senior staff or the people managing them would be so impressed that they'd be yeah. thinking like that and so often they would drive this change which meant that they um, accelerated through their career a lot quicker Mm -hmm, absolutely. I mean, when I was in radio first starting out as an 18-year-old, as soon as I realized what I wanted, I was like, I'm going to do anything I can do to get in front of the right people to make this a reality for myself. And that literally was putting up hands, offering solutions to problems and just being, in a way, being like the yes person. But it wasn't out of this need for validation. It was out of this, like, I've got a dream and I'm going to hit it kind of thing, you know, and, and it worked and it works, worked at an accelerated speed. So I absolutely hear what you're saying about like taking initiative, coming up with solutions. I always say that to my clients when they've got an issue, particularly in the workplace, I'm like, well, it's one thing to tell somebody that there's a problem, but it's a whole other thing to also then show up with three possible solutions, you know, so you're not just giving someone the problem and saying, hey, it's your problem now walking away. It has nothing to do with me, but you're actually being part of that solution too. And that definitely helps to grow you, but then also grow your career opportunities too, because your employers would be able to see skills in you that they didn't necessarily know that you had before. You know, they might then think, wow, that was really awesome. She might be great for the leadership team or she might be really good as a manager or moving over to this part of the business, but just by showing a few different um, proactive skill sets or ideas that you might have. Um, yeah, that's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. No problem. I mean, that solutions focused is how, it's, it's honestly my core belief for everything. So even mm -hmm. for say with clients, say a campaign didn't go to plan or um, I don't know, maybe they felt like some social or something wasn't up to scratch that month or there was there was an issue. Maybe it's a technical problem on their end that's actually um, preventing campaigns from generating results or, or whatever mm -hmm. it is. Mm -hmm. It's saying, okay, cool, this is what went wrong. This was the problem. Um, this is why we think it happened. And then here's what we're going to do about it. Um, and people love that. They A, love the love that you're honestly owning bad news mm. and just mm. like not trying to sugarcoat it, just like, hey, this is what happened. Yeah. But you don't leave, you don't just like dump it and like no. word vomit, this is the problem, and then just like leave it there on the table. It's like, cool, mm. yep, this is what's happened, but this is the approach. And that's all people care about. Um, mm. And then the same, that's something I really 
try to encourage with my team as well is if they come to me with an issue or something's not working, I'm, I'm try to ask the question first. It's like, okay, cool. Well, what do you think we should do about it? Mm-hmm. Um, and try and empower them to think through it themselves because mm. obviously I'm here for support. And even if I know the answer or for example, if they're asking me, oh, who do you, what do you think we should do for targeting or what strategy do you think? Then I always want to ask them, what do you think? What would be your soul for this? How would you improve this? And then let them come to that solution on their own. And mm-hmm. then I find that the next time it arises, instead of, uh, uh, I don't know what to do here, or uh, he's a problem, it's, yeah. hey, here's what I'm thinking, what do you think? And it's mm-hmm. just such a different conversation to have. And I love it because they're growing. It's also great for me because it's, you know, like my inbox or everything is chaos. Totally. And so it's a really quick, hey, I love that. Or, yep, that's a good start. Maybe you could try this, this, and this, which is so much more efficient for me than having to do all the thinking for somebody mm-hmm. else. Yeah, absolutely. I remember I was working in this company and um, had no direction, no support, no nothing. And then I found myself a mentor and so grateful for that. And anytime there was something going on or an issue, I would then go to the mentor and he would always respond back with, well, what do you think we should do about it? Or you know, what ideas do you have? And he would never give me anything. And it used to frustrate the crap out of me. Like I just got so annoyed, I think, because that's the first time that it ever happened. But in such a short amount of time, I was able to learn so much. And really it empowered me myself to come up with solutions. And that there is literally where I was able to adopt that same mindset that you have of solutions focused. And now I teach that to all of my clients. Instead of just bringing problems, let's bring the awareness to the problem, but have some possible solutions in mind first, you know, because everybody, like what you said about your inbox, everybody is busy. We've got a lot on our plates. So imagine how helpful it would be if you could come with some possible solutions so that you're not just dumping it on that person. And then it's not um, adding so much more to their brain load. You know, you can, and then also you're showing that you can handle pressure and challenges and stuff as well. So honestly, this has been an incredible conversation, Elise. I just want to thank you so much for your time today. And for anybody or for for you listening at home, if you are wanting to, or if you already are on your journey of your own business and you want some help with your digital marketing, go and check out Brand Sitters. Like I said earlier in the episode, I love their socials. The stuff that they share with their clients just looks so cool, so on point. The brand that's beautiful uh and yeah thank you so much Elise thank you so much it's been an absolute pleasure